From Wisconsin Public Radio and PRI, Public Radio International, it's to the best of our knowledge. I'm Jim Fleming. I think all language at some level is body language. That's Roy Blunt Jr. For 40 years, he's been making his living pushing words around in every medium except greeting cards. He's an expert at making sense of words and will join us later this hour as we consider the enterprise of making words. Also, some languages are so different from all other languages, they're unrecognizable. We'll meet a man who found one such language in the Amazon. And what about the claim that human beings are the only animals that talk? Well, how would we explain Alex, Irene Pepperberg's gray parrot? How many corners? What shape? Four. Corner. Four corner. Good boy. But first, we're going to take a look at how American English got that way. Patricia O'Connor is a former editor at the New York Times Book Review and the author of Origins of the Specious and Woe is I, the Grammarphobe's Guide to Better English in Plain English. Now in its third edition, Woe is wildly successful and has made its author the last word in using words. But it wasn't always so. When I went to work at the Times, of course, the first thing I did was read the Times-style book so I could do everything the company way. And under the entry for none, it said, construe as plural, unless there's a good reason not to. And I thought, hmm, this is a very odd of the Times. This must just be one of those Times idiosyncrasies. And I thought this for many years until I wrote my first book, Woe is I, which was a grammar book, and I researched none. And lo and behold... The Times is right. It really should be construed as plural unless there's a good reason not to, because the etymology, strictly speaking, it doesn't mean not one. It means not any. So it can be either singular or plural. Now, if you said not any of the chickens are hatched, of course, that's plural. If you said not any of the milk is spilled, that's singular. So none can be either singular or plural. If it applies to a plural, it's absolutely But things change. Things change, mm-hmm. and we don't notice they're changing. And uh, I gather from a lot of the stories that you tell that they change round and round and round. The question yes. of English, English versus American English, for instance. Uh-huh. You make the case that American English probably sounds more like the English English of the time of division than what we call British English does. Mm-hmm. It's true. The characteristics that we Americans chiefly associate with the educated British accent, all those characteristics came to the British after the Revolutionary War, roughly between 1790 and about 1820. So things like dropping the R or dropping the R, or saying fa instead of far, or saying past instead of past, or pronouncing the H in the word herb or dropping a syllable in a word like secretary and saying secretary, or necessary, or military. All of those characteristics developed after the Great Divide, which means that earlier in the 18th century, the Brits, in some respects, sounded the way Americans do today. And so that Oxbridge accent, the one that we all associate with upper-class British Mm -hmm. citizens... Mm-hmm. Is less, a late development. less true. It's a late development. Yes. <laughs> In fact, people often ask me, when did Americans lose?